Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Increase the Reality with Shane Jones. What's up, guys, and welcome to the show. Today, I got something a little bit different for you guys. We definitely get into some of the weird and the woo-woo on the back half of it, but the first half, we definitely get into some more some more natural ideas, kind of like how we did on that one recently with uh, John Hagenbottom, talking about uh, coon hunting, actually, specifically with these guys. But the second half, like I said, we get into the weird, we get into the woo-woo, so if that doesn't interest you, stick around for the second half, and I definitely think that the usual audience will enjoy it. But before we get into that... We, of course, got to knock out the front of house stuff. So if you guys enjoyed the show and you guys don't mind leaving a review or a rating, I definitely appreciate it. If you guys go and you guys do that on iTunes and leave some nice words with it, then I'll definitely read it on the show, of course, and give you guys a shout out. Uh, If you guys know any friends that may enjoy the show, an awesome way to help the show grow is to share it with a friend. So anything you guys do in that aspect, I definitely also appreciate it. Uh, If you guys want to get some updates on the show, you guys can go and check out the social media. Uh, The one that I'm the most active on, of course, is Instagram, but I am active on Facebook. So if you guys shoot me a message on there or anything like that, I will respond through that one also. Uh, If you guys want to pop into the Telegram or the Discord, uh, that's a good way to have some awesome conversations with some like-minded people. Uh, If anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, um, survivalist, uh, occultist... Uh, philosopher, anything weird, anything open-minded. I definitely want to sit down and have a conversation with you. So you guys can shoot me a message, of course, through Instagram. That's the one I'm most active on, as I previously mentioned. Uh, you guys can also email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast@outlook.com, or you can go to the link tree and you guys can fill out the submission form up at the top and that will go directly to my email. Um, more often than not, it seems like everything gets pushed to the spam or junk folder, so keep an eye out there for a response from me. Uh, if you guys can't get enough of the content I put out and you guys want to get more of uh, bizarre encounters and cryptid, alien, UFO, paranormal, all that kind of fun stuff, you guys can go and check out Bizarre Encounters, which I t- do with my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. Uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on all the work that I do. I try to make it quick and easy and put it all in one place so you guys can go to a one-stop shop for everything. And that's Open Minds Media, which is my podcast production company or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, if you guys want to support me and what I do for the show, there's multiple ways to do so. You guys can uh, join the awesome ranks of the Patreon people, such as Brandy and Brian. Uh, there's multiple tiers available over there. Uh, there's ad-free episodes. There's early access to episodes. There's live replays. There's live episodes. There's a bunch of cool stuff going on on the Patreon, and that's always building and expanding. So go and figure out what tier possibly suits you. Uh, if you guys want to donate to the show directly, you guys can do so through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or you can do it through Red Circle, which is the RSS host that I use for the show. So just go down to the show description and follow the links on that one. Uh, the third way you guys can support the show is by getting some Open Minds Media merchandise. Uh, there you will find not just inquiries of our reality, but bizarre encounters, uh, bite-sized bizarreties, all the cool stuff that I do. Uh, the one thing I request, though, is if any of you guys order a shirt, please, please, please send me a picture of you guys wearing the shirt. Even if you don't want your face in it, um, I'd like to repost it and kind of get the word out about what I'm doing and show that there's other people that are repping what I'm doing. So if you guys want to also support another creator, you guys can go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe's always killing it over there with his awesome designs pertaining to cryptids, UFO, uh, paranormal, all that fun stuff. Uh, I guarantee if you look around in his website, you'll find something that you like. Uh, everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, Daniel, Ryan, and Dustin from the Coon Hunting Confidentialist. How's it going today, guys? Great, man. We're making it. <laughs> Each All day. All right. So uh, <laughs> for anybody that isn't familiar with your guys' podcast or what exactly you guys do over there, why don't you kind of give them an idea about uh, what you guys do? Uh, basically, we look for coon hunting stories and we talk to coon hunters and different things like that um, from all over the place, but we look for the coon hunting stories that include the creepy crazy unexplainable things cryptids whatever is weird ghost paranormal lights in the woods so we're coon hunters well i'm a coon hunter dustin is mainly a squirrel hunter ryan does a little bit of both and um but i i guess what you want me to go back we'll go back and talk about how all three of us this whole podcast came together. Yeah. And if or, you guys want to get into each, okay, you know, okay. how you guys got into hunting in the first place too, and then how you guys all came together. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I started coon hunting when I was like 11, right before I turned 12. So that would have been around 91, 92 area. And it was like in January. Um, and it was with a church group called Royal Rangers. And they took us camping and was going and took us coon hunting. We camped out at this like deer hunting camp and we hunted down the uh, Tiger River. And so, and we're from South Carolina, by the way. Uh, so the we went coon hunting down the Tiger River, and that was the very first time I'd ever been. I, I looked forward to it all that day because I had already watched where the red fern grows. And um, anyway, there was this guy. He uh, down in the woods he handed me uh the leash to his dog and was like here will you leave my dog for me and when when that that happened i knew then that i wanted to coon hunt as much as possible till the day i die and i, I just fell in love with it and so i just kind of like been coon hunting i don't really deer hunt i don't 
I don't do much of anything. I might fish a little bit, but it's mainly coon hunting. And um, that's about, and I, I guess the it, the, the flow would, now. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the, the flow of that would be into how Ryan came into the story. Uh, um, yeah. I've been coon hunting since I was probably, I don't know, eight, 10 years old, something like that. Didn't do much. About 12, 13 years old, me and my daddy joined the coon club where we met Daniel, and he was hunting pretty much every night. And I started hunting every night with him. What was that? Was that around like 2006? Uh, yeah, probably 2005, 2006, somewhere around in there. Hunted pretty hard to 2009-ish, maybe 2010. Done a lot of hunting. And then it pretty much just rocked on from there. I've always had some kind of coon dog or some kind of squirrel dog, some kind of cur dog or something. Now, Ryan, he got back. he's been hunting pretty hard the last three, four years, something like that. Probably four years, yeah. So yeah, he he's got back into hunting pretty pretty good. I've and, done a lot more coon hunting than squirrel hunting, but I probably got a lot better squirrel dog than I do coon dog. By look, I guess. But from then you want to you want to like how dustin came into it you want to tell him a little bit of like i reckon i can uh i reckon i started hunting with dogs about 18 well take that back i was in high school rabbit hunting a little bit didn't have no dogs far hunting just then i was 18 i was a senior in high school and went with a feather that I work with and hunt with still to this day with him with his dog and just was eat up with it after that squirrel dog and went to Clemson for a year and took a turkey hunting class that they offered and we actually got to run squirrel dogs in it a couple of times and whoa, whoa, whoa. And my, my professor actually let me bring my gun up there and he kept it for me so that I could run my own gun so I wouldn't have to be borrowing somebody else's piece of junk. That way I could roll on and do my own thing. He was a pretty cool cat. I did not know this shit. You went to Clemson the squirrel hunt boat? No, yeah. I mean, yeah, I seen I got to hunt with a couple of boys up there and then Come back home, didn't like college life. Come back and started working at a plant. Bought me my own squirrel dog and been rocking on squirrel dog and ever since. Living the dream. Living the dream. Started coon hunting with Daniel in about 2019. Just, I run dogs and he run dogs. Uh, let's see what these coon dogs about. And that seemed dumb enough, so he just kept on rocking. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody said I was a smart man. Yeah. So the very first night Dustin ever went coon hunting, we was talking about uh, sometimes dogs will pull up on a persimmon tree when they're really, the persimmons are ripe and the coons are really eating them. And they're, sometimes a dog will pull up on the, those trees and there won't be nothing in them. So in our lingo, we'll say that dog pulled up short or slick treed. And so we was talking about that and he was like, you know, I just listened to a podcast talking about that. And it was the Houndsman XP and I had never really listened to a podcast and Dustin was listening to podcasts. So he told me about that when I went and checked it out, listened to it, found that episode. And then I kind of turned into a podcast junkie. I started listening to 
the few coon hunting shows there was, the the hound hunting stuff, and then I branched out and started going into other podcasts. I figured out there were other podcasts of interest of mine, like Tony Merkel's The Confessionals and all these other podcasts and uh, Sasquatch Chronicles and just all over the place, conspiracy theories, tinfoil hat. I found all these, and I just turned into a junkie, and I was like, I want to do a podcast. He lost his damn mind. And um, <laughs> We all do it at some point, so man. <laughs> I, asked, I, I went to, I asked Dustin if he wanted to, like, come in, like, do a podcast, and just, then I was, already had been saying something to Ryan, and uh, it just all kind of come together, and then, but I know I wanted to talk about coon hunting, but I didn't know exactly um, to be different than the rest of them. And then I listened to uh, the Confessionals um, podcast with their, they called him Kyle. It was the dog man episode in the, the coon hunting. The one from Ta- the uh, Kentucky. Hunting. Yes. Well, he was coon hunting. And I was like, I got to hear more coon hunting stories like this. I was like, because I, I knew when I listened to that guy, when I listened to it and I read the description, I was like, this dude, if he's talking coon hunting, I'm going to be able to, if he slips up on that, he ain't going to fool me on him talking about if he knows what he's talking about or not. And so he was kind of like pretty spot on as far as like using certain um, lingos that a coon hunter would use. To some extent, you know, he like he had mentioned that he hadn't hunted in a while, but he knew enough to say certain things like a dog could hold pressure or something like that. And and I knew what he was talking about because ain't very many people's gonna know or say, uh, you know, uh, he was he held pressure. Basically, something's eating his ass up at the tree. He gonna hold that pressure. He can hold his own. And and so. Um, I just, I was already like to hear weird stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if there's more stories like that out there. So I started putting fillers out on Facebook and started contacting people. And then just everything started rolling from there as far as podcasting and getting guests and getting stuff going and venturing out, representing coon hunting in the world of the weird, I reckon. So uh, before we get into some of your guys' coon hunting stories, uh, what's some of your favorite coon hunting stories that you guys heard on your guys' show? Oh wow! Um, mm. my favorite is probably Mister Johnny. Was that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Pennsylvania, Mister Johnny. He uh, that was our second episode. We just go ahead and say that he uh, seen a Bigfoot. Yeah, and it's very believable. If anybody's looking for it, it's the, our episode two. It's face to face with fear in a Pennsylvania holler, and he got he's emotional man, and is like. We wasn't expecting that. Like we're brand new into this. That was our very first guest that we were like re- recording and probably talking the best to. ones we've had. We didn't even know how to talk to today. We're like just venturing out into this world and this podcasting thing. And uh, I still think that's probably probably my favorite. But I feel like it's the best one we've got. I, I like I've liked all of them uh, really. Um, I, maybe you didn't, I do. And I kind of, I did, and I still do. I kind of, because I, you know, I edit it and try to line everything up to recording with different people and looking, getting all the stories of putting the whole 
thing together what's being published and um i kind of felt like every show needed to be a a 10 followed by a 10 followed by i felt like every show needed to be a banger and and i I don't feel like any of them's been like a complete flop you know what i'm saying oh yeah definitely so do what Oh, I was saying definitely not. From all the episodes I've heard of your guys' show, I've enjoyed every one that I've heard so far. It's like even if there wasn't much on the on the story in, I felt like we kind of made up for it on our bullshit comedy part because sometimes I'm mean, like, we'll cut up. And the way we like format the show is or or put it together, it's not like just um I like to put a little background music into some of them and we're like We'll talk about an episode or be like up to date on something that we may have recorded a month ago with a guest. You know what I'm saying? But then we like bring that into the conversation as far as what we put out. Say it makes you guys a little so, bit different too. So instead of just kind of coming in with just the coon hunting stuff, like you guys said, you have to stand apart a little bit to kind of make yourself stand out. And it seems like you guys got a pretty awesome setup going so far. So well, far, thank you, Mike. We appreciate, we appreciate it. that. Yeah, being on like like stuff like this because um, I guess in in a weird kind of way, it's we're ambassadors for the sport of coon hunting outside of the coon hunting world. Oh damn, um, we screwed. We're terrible. <laughs> it, 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 never, it never was meant to be that way. Mm. But we sorry, it, coon hunters. But there are people that are like coon hunt. What is coon hunt? And blah blah blah. It, to me, every night I go out stumbling around in a is an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> never, what the hell it is. Yeah, but you got lights, but you never know which way. Uh, you never know where the dogs are going to go. You never know what you're going to come across. What weird something you, you never know. It's like we go with the intentions of I know my dogs. I'm hoping my dog is going to go down the creek this way and. Get treed and, and then, the down there. and then it might be completely. That dog might go down that creek, get struck, take a take a hard left hand turn, and then next thing you know, you're a mile away and in, in the middle of a cutover or somebody's backyard. <laughs> That's a possibility. <laughs> At two o'clock in the morning, and they're probably pissed the fuck off. House <laughs> <laughs> dog, like hell, <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. Oh yeah. I hadn't been shot at, but I have had a like a lady draw a gun on us and then called a damn law on us a long time ago. It was in the middle of a competition hunt and she drew down on us. We were trying to cut our light out going across the field. I was in a truck. <laughs> and I could hear it from where I was at, and all I heard was, "What in the hell are you doing on my property?" And I was like, "I was still up in the truck, like, oh shit, oh." So we ended up, uh, I ended up having to go sneak back into the woods and get my dog, blow my light out, get back to the truck. By the time the law's pulling back up, I hear Ryan saying, I see the blue lights, they pull off, and Ryan's like, come on, come on, he's going to turn around. So I go up, put the dog in the truck, and got in in my truck, and that, like, I was just sitting there. But anyway, they gave us a trespassing notice on everybody that was there hunting that night. You said it was and, for a competition too. I would have been like, they didn't. They didn't tell us where to go. Like, I'm stumbling around in the dark, man. What do you expect? <laughs> what that, that was one of them situations where we turned. They turned the dogs loose, and the little guy that was telling us where to go 
he looks at us and goes, man, I ain't got permission to hunt, but about five acres right here. And, and the dog, dog ain't nothing. That's like, the dogs was off of it in 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I got a buddy of mine. He Well, hours. He told me the other night that he turned his dog loose, and in 10 minutes, he was six-tenths of a mile in the woods, treed. And treed is when a dog is up on a tree barking, saying that there's a coon up top of it. They brought a coon up the tree and treed it. But six-tenths of a mile, 10 minutes, that's – that's pretty good to go find one, track it down, and then tree it. Six tenths of a mile. mile away. Yeah. Well, that's over a thousand yards, isn't it? Or a little over a thousand yards? I think so. Yeah. A little over a thousand. See, so I'm not fully uh, familiar with like coon behavior. Do they normally like stay on the ground and then when the dogs start chasing them, they go up in the trees, or do they try to stay up in the trees regardless? Well, they stay on the ground, you know, feeding around on acorns and stuff, frogs. According to what time of the year it is, crawfish, stuff like that. And a dog will strike them up and start running them. It's according to what part of the country you're in as to how they're going to run. Like around our house, they run a long ways. Other parts of the country, they don't run that far. They'll just run up a tree real quick. But here, they do some running. They say we got the best running cones in the country. See, we live right in the middle. You live, you can treat 10, 15 cones a night. Well, we live, you treat 10, 15 coons a month. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. man, I live in the city, and I even get raccoons in the city. I'm sure you can even do some coon hunting in the city and still get some pretty good numbers. <laughs> probably could. If there was an open little patch of woods, cur dog could probably slam a city park. Yeah. So uh, where else have you guys gotten to uh, to hunt yourselves? Have you guys gotten to come up to the north and uh, be able to take on some of the bigger raccoons, or are you guys like chasing after the uh, the fast raccoons? We uh we got to hunt in Indiana, but we didn't take our dogs. We just hunted on competition hunting. You don't kill them; you just tree them and score them. You score points for treeing them. When you guys do catch them, like just when your guys are hunting for fun, uh, do you guys normally kill them, or do you like eat them, or do you just like keep them as like trophy? Like, what what do you, what do you guys normally do when you guys are just kind of hunting for fun? It depends. Yeah, it depends. Sometimes we just tree them and let them go. There's a lot of times. Sometimes we kill them and eat them. Or give them away to people that will eat them. So, uh, like that. for anybody that's not familiar with what a raccoon tastes like, like how would you guys kind of describe it? Oh, uh, like barbecued beef ribs, I guess. To me, it's like when you just parboil it, you know, to, to get that meat good and tender. If you don't boil it, it's not going to be tender but to me just like that in salty water it tastes kind of like roast beef but then i pull it off the bone mince it up and kind of chop it up and put it with barbecue sauce and put it in either a crock pot or the oven and just let it simmer and then just kind of like make sandwiches out of it it tastes like beef ribs to me <laughs> when it's cooked like that yeah it's pretty good do you guys uh, have an intention where, like, you know, you don't want to normally go after, like, a raccoon that maybe lives close to a city because of, like, their diet they're eating? You guys try to go for, like, the deep woods stuff because they'd have a better diet and be better for eating? Nah. Never nah. crossed my mind. Yeah, never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, nah, I never really thought about that. We don't turn loose near the city a whole lot, though, just because a dog will go so far, and we don't want to be in people's yards. Or tree in their house cats. We don't want to kill for Or them. ran over. Or ran over. That's really the biggest that's, reason. That's the main over. thing if you don't want them ran over. I worry about Fluffy with my dogs, too. 
Yeah, you get caught up after a trail and not even be looking at the road. <laughs> just pew. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. But just saying, you know, competition cone hunting is pretty big. Like, they're about to have the first, um, and I can't tell you what the entry fee is, but they're about to have the first million-dollar hunt. Like, they've already given away hundred thousand dollars and some of the entries on these can be four or five six thousand dollar entry fees and i can't afford those entry fees but um there are those those hunts will fill up with entries and there are people that is going to going to go hunt it and like competition coon hunting is i think it's getting bigger the prizes are getting bigger the the money um even like UKC's just started their tournament of champions and that's $50,000 pro sport. They give away, they hunt for trucks. They hunt for big prizes. You got PKC. It's all either money or trucks. One of the two is. So I don't normally go to them because that requires taking vacation days and all this other stuff. And, but I don't have the money to pay for a five, six thousand dollar entry fee either. I'm like, I'm at a hundred dollar max. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hundred dollar man. Yeah. But Dustin's got us next year. He's gonna front the money. Watch out, packing. Y'all got to get a lot better dog. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> it's almost like gambling at that point. You're putting five grand in hoping and you only end up what I'm assuming that only the top prize actually wins anything. So it's almost like gambling. Yeah. So- Oh, it's it is gamble. Oh, it's a gamble. Yeah, it's a gamble. Sometimes the final four will decide to split, and then sometimes they'll go. They'll decide to hunt it off, and they'll have it'll be like start off with like a sixty-four dog limit or something like that, or and then it'll break down through that like elimination style. And they go out and and cast a four, try, mostly four, some weird entries are thrown off at like a regular hunt or something. You might have a three dog cast. Very rarely you might have a two dog cast, but you're, you're going to be, it's a handler and the dog or dog and the handler, however you want to look at it. So it's kind of like a partnership between them two. You know, the dog's got to do their thing and the handler needs to know their dog and know the rules. So there are rules involved. Well, go ahead and lay down. No, I don't want to lay down rules. (laughs) Not rules. Just kind of like, it's a four dog cast. They go strike hunt points, for, three points. Yeah, strike points. Um, and what a strike is. A strike is when a dog opens up on a, saying they open it up on a raccoon, the handler has to strike their dog on or before the third bark. So if my dog Echo, she opens up, I'm just going to, I usually yell it because I want the judge to hear me, but I'm like, Echo struck. And say if she's the first one to open and he's going to repeat it back to me, he's going to be like, Echo 400. So the strikes go 175, 50, 25. And then on a tree, depending on which registry you're in, they can go first dog that gets treated is 100, then uh, 75, 50, 25, or 125 in UKC, 75, 50, 25. So you have points. It's a point system. that You can't kill any coons in a um, sanctioned hunt like that. It's just you score them, pull them off, recut the dogs, and go score another one. And you have minus points, plus points, and circle points. Minus points is if you can't, if there's nothing there, 
circle points as if there's like a nest or a hole in the tree. Something could be there, but it could be hiding. It has a place of refuge. So then it would be circle points. And then I'm assuming the plus is uh, when, when there actually is physically something there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. When there's a coon, if there's off game, if there's a possum up that tree, that's minus. Yes, minus points too. Yeah, any off game. Molesting livestock is uh, that they get scratched. That means that dog is and scratched. Molesting livestock qualified. Yeah, it's eliminated. So um, there's certain things like that. Uh, that I mean, there's you got times like when the very first dog is declared treed, the judge will start their time, and within like if UKC is three minutes. If no other dog is declared treed with that dog within those three minutes, that tree is closed. No other dogs can get points with that dog. And then in PKC, it's five minutes. So after five minutes, no other dog can come in and get tree points. So it's um, it can be very fast-paced. I say that when I first started in the 90s, most of your dogs treed together, packed up, and would – tree together now most of the time they're all going to be split up separate so when that cast and you have your your handlers the judge which most of the time we'll have a hunting judge um but it's like you're walking you're walking to a dog that's treed 600 yards over here to your right and then there's a dog treed another 700 yards the opposite direction and so you can spend a two-hour cast just walking to and depending on where you're hunting at, too, just walking and scoring dogs on trees, just walking all around. Yeah, I mean, it can be very fast-paced. I was going to say, so at least from the descriptions of what you guys were saying, it seems like it's a lot more uh, like intact than other hunting styles where, you know, if you're going deer hunting, you're sitting up in the tree 90% of the time. It seems like you guys are on the ground running most of the time. So even if you're not necessarily killing or hunting anything, like it's still fun to be able to track stuff down and at least keep that kind of fast paced thing going. Yeah. It's kind of a cat and mouse game. You're playing with the coon. Sometimes, Sometimes he game. wins. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you'll get there and they won't. Sometimes he loses. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a little bit of a rundown of, what competition part is like because we kind of just don't want to throw that out there and people think oh my god they're competing and they're killing all these coons and no coons are blood and- with a stick <laughs> <laughs> there are no coons killed in a competition hunt so it was like this please please hit me what <laughs> 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 anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm just we joking. like to we like to cut up. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what, what um is there anything else you want to get into us or got any questions as far as like the coon hunting part goes or? Yeah, before we uh, get into like all the kind of weirder stuff, of course, that's the second half of your guys' kind of podcast and what you do, um, i definitely like to get into your guys' favorite coon hunting story. I'm assuming it may even be together, but uh, like, what was your most exciting, most fun time you guys ever had coon hunting? Oh, wow. Oh. I mean, I got a pretty good squirrel hunting. Couple. Lay it on us, Dustin. I was hunting with fellas that got me started. 
And uh, I didn't even have a dog yet. I hadn't bought my dog yet. So it was a boy from the plant. We was hunting over on one of the rivers around here. And he had him a little fife dog, which is looks kind of like a little rat terrier. And he had him two curs. And them song on just raising cane. And we stand there because, you know, if, if you like dog hunting, you like listening to the dogs. So we was just listening a minute. And them song on was running. I was like, man, your dog's running a deer, dude. He's like, no. Nah. And then we heard something squealing off in the woods. And them stupid dogs had done bait up three pigs. So there we go. We busting off through the woods, Bo. Like, I mean, we are getting down to try and get to these dogs before these pigs cut them all to pieces. And we get there, and, man, his the curves was bathed now. Don't get me wrong. They were standing there booger barking at them. But that little feist was running circles around these pigs so fast that they didn't know which way to run. So we just bust off in there, and we both was toting shotguns, and we just pow, pow, pow. We got three dead pigs laid down. And we about a mile off the freaking road. And two of them songs weighed about 250 pounds. Oh, wow. And they was full of freaking piglets. Yeah, they was one of them had like 13 piglets in it, and the other one had eight piglets in it. They was all sales. And one of them was like 60 pounds. And I, this was a big old muscle bound cat, dude. Like he worked out every day. And I was about 20 years old. I was in decent shape. And I was like, I'm going to tote that 60 pounder dog. You can have them two biggins to tote out. He's like, oh, we're going to drive the truck on this game land. And we did not get close enough. <clears throat> so we field dressed them, you know, gutted them right there, lightened the load a little bit. And we started dragging. And we we got to this hill, and we was going – we had tied a rope through their mouth to pull them, make it easier. And I, this hill was so steep that we broke the rope and fell. And we <laughs> fall but about six inches. That's how steep this hill was. And that song gun hammer-fisted me in the chest trying to save itself. <laughs> and cuz knocked the breath out of me and he hit me so hard that I bounced back up and was standing up beside him looking at him trying to catch my breath and that's I won't never forget that hunt that song gonna still give me a hard time about that shit <laughs> pick on me cause I whined I didn't like dragging them song arms I was out of breath and I had to quit first that's what got me if I could have just went a little bit longer till he was ready to take a break I'd have been good but to this day that song uh, oh you quit on me I was like cuz I'd rather leave them pigs in the woods let the coyotes have them but that was a good hunt right there so, I guess one of my most memorable bull hunts was the one when me and him was just talking about in Traveler's Rest <laughs> <laughs> the woman pulling the gun on him <laughs> That was probably one of mine. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I'm trying to think over 30 years mm-hmm. of doing this and in, of a of memorable. Yes, I, I'll tell you a memorable one. Um, I was a teenager, and we all decided there was a bunch of us that was going. There was probably, I don't know if I had to guess, I'd probably say 10 teenagers was probably in the – 14, 13, 14, 15 year old range between all of us. And we're from a small town. So back then, like our town doctor, he coon hunted 
his daughters would go with us, and then there was a bit, there was a bunch of us, and so we decided we all be talking about wanting to go coon hunting all night long. We was gonna go coon hunting all night, and my daddy and a bunch of other like the older people that actually it was their dogs. It was like okay, we're gonna coon hunt all night. So the first place we went to to go hunting. Uh, it was like a, a a beaver swamp or duck pond that's flooded off of Broad River, and man, we about half of us got completely soaking wet that night. I saw this dude named Kim Jennings about completely drowned. He was bubbling up down like blah 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 blah, and he'd come up out of the water <gasps> and he'd go back under blah 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 blah, and he had the coon in his back and he had Doctor Yannetti's gun on his back and that was the, he like lost his balance and had that coon and that every time he tried to come back up and we finally was like trying to grab him and um so we all we finally got dried out met up at another different spot we decided we was gonna go hunting at this somewhere else we left from there and by this time it's probably going on about midnight after midnight or so and um, the other group of teenagers, they just off down in the woods and they didn't realize that they were kind of where they were standing was like a beaver had built like a hut or something right there. And they was just standing on it. And all of a sudden that thing went, it broke, caved in and they all kaploosh, went down into the water in that. And they all come out soaking wet. It was what we thought was going to be one of the best nights ended up being one of the most memorable because it was horrible. We all got <laughs> soaking wet. It wasn't this, that might have been one person out of the whole two people. There was two people, my daddy and David McKee, were the only two people that night that did not get soaking wet. And I don't know. That and judging being a, one of the judges for a final four of a world hunt, that was kind of memorable, but uh, for that final oh, four man. hunt, was it was there anything specific that happened on there, or was it just the whole idea of being uh, one of the judges for the hunt? Yeah, it was just the whole idea of being one of the three judges selected for the final four. Being selected as a judge, though, yeah. it means you're doing something, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least it say I knew the rules somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> I know pretty decent. Yeah, I, I, I keep the rule book in my backpack. I have the UKC and the PKC rule book that I'll read over at least once a week or once every two weeks. I'll glance over it. Is that something that constantly gets updated too? Um, Every – two years? Not really. UKC just went to five. Oh, really? And then PKC, there's, they'll re review their rules, I think, after this year. That's when they'll, but that's how the sport progresses as far as rule over over time. Rules will change and hunt time shortens and stuff like that. It just depends, but it's definitely progressed in hell ten years, fifteen ten to fifteen years. Garmin's man, when when you can track your dog with a Garmin or GPS collar and you got a handheld and. You know where you're at in the woods. You know where your dog is at. Ninety-nine percent of the time, it's a it was a game changer. Because back when I was a kid, we had we had uh, tracking collars, but they were just 
pure telemetry that worked off we call them the beep beep systems and that was all they had the big like yaggy antennas how it had i pronounced them yeah and you had you just you had to know how to work the tune and the gain for the channel that that collar was on and it was kind of an art once you figured out because you started figuring out as where you, your settings was, where that dog was like hitting on that that little meter ping that would, you would kind of get an idea of, I think that dog's about a half a mile away or that dog is well over a mile or that dog is like 200 yards, right? You know, it's right here somewhere. You can start, you got an idea for how to use it, <clears throat> but they're kind of obsolete now that GPS is and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. What's the other one? Um, Daltra. Yeah, Garmin and Daltra. Those are about the big, big two. Say, as far as like the GPS and stuff goes, uh, do you guys prefer like the new way of hunting and the way everything's starting to go, or do you guys uh, kind of like doing the old way? You know, just for fun here and there. I prefer the GPS. <laughs> Rather be safe <laughs> than sorry, I guess. Nice. Right. <laughs> Damn straight. It makes it real nice and real enjoyable. Yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> I like the GPS. So, uh, but anyway, what do you want to get into? I was going to say, starting to get into the kind of weird stuff. Um, I don't know if all of you guys have experiences, but uh, if you guys have any strange experiences that you guys have had in the woods that we can kind of segue into the, like, the weirder side of your guys' podcast, that'd be cool if you guys wanted to share them. I've had somewhat of a strange experience. So one night, me and my buddy was hunting, standing at the truck, and I was looking up through the trees. There was like a gap in the trees. There was leaves were still on the trees. It was early in the year, and it looked like a star. And the more I looked at it, it was just getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And then I would shine my light on it, and it would go out. And then I'd turn my light off, and it would come back on. And then it would slowly get brighter and brighter and brighter. So I told my buddy, I was like, man, come over here and look at this. Tell me I ain't tripping. Well, he started laughing. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's like, you tripping. Well, he got out there. He's like, you see that damn star? He's like, yeah. I was like, you see it getting brighter? He's like, damn, it is getting brighter. I was like, now watch this. I turned my light on it. Boom, it went out. And we watched it for like 15 damn minutes. He kept doing that. But when I would turn my light on it, he pointed out. He's like, dude, you can see whatever it is. And it wasn't no drone. We was way out in the middle of nowhere, like. I don't believe it could have been. I don't know that a drone would reach that far or if somebody could reach that far with it, you know. But you could see whatever it was. Like, you could see my light shining on it. It wouldn't lit up no more. And I actually got a video on my phone, but it just looks like a bright star going on and off on my phone. But that say, was pretty strange. I wonder if it was more like UFO-related or kind of like orb-related, depending on how high up it was in the sky, because everybody always reports all the weird lights they tend to see in the woods. Yeah, and then there's been a lot of times now I've been in the woods and look, and you'll see what you, what comes to mind is a street light, and then it hits you like, there ain't no damn street lights that way, and you never see it again. You stand there and look for it and look for it, can't find it. I see that quite a good bit. I thought I was tripping on them. <clears throat> I'll be honest, I get, I get a lot of those lights in my peripheral vision, and I used to like just play it off as just whatever with my peripheral vision until I started getting into the all of the weird stuff that people talk about. And I realized that a lot of people see stuff in their peripheral vision. 
So it's kind of like just off to the side. Just kind of like, damn, I thought I just saw a light flicker over there. And you look, and it's like, what was that? I? Every just time play I it off. It, I'm like, it, it looks like a street light through the woods. A long ways through the woods, sometimes you'll see a street light, and then like there'll be a tree in the way. You just keep moving your head, and you'll see it again. Hell, you won't never find it again. Do you guys get into the whole like uh, spirit of the woods thing? Like, even if it's related to like possibly Native American like burial grounds and things like that. Or do you guys kind of uh, uh, chalk it up to more like UFO phenomenon or just something that may not be fully explained yet? Um, I, I, I'm I'm into the elemental thing. I, th- I think it like elemental stuff. If that's what you're going as far as like spirit of the woods or fairies. Yeah, that that was more so what I meant was. Yeah, all the elemental stuff, especially. Yeah. I've been digging into that stuff recently with like Sasquatch stuff, and uh, a lot of people like see them together. And I tend to go on the side of like, you know, just like in nature, there's ecosystems of things that work together. And I don't think they're necessarily related to Sasquatch, but I think that they interact with them and they kind of benefit each other. And my mind always seems to go to elemental spirits of the woods. Like, there's a million names for them, but they all, it's all the same thing, man. <laughs> I think there's something to it for it to match up from continent to continent between the um, the old Celtic stuff to the Cherokee, the Native American stuff. And I don't know if that's what made those two so compatible. But when you get into the Appalachian Mountains and over into like the Ozarks, you find a lot of people have a mixture of Scottish, Irish, or Cherokee and Irish uh, Scott Irish Cherokee, German Cherokee. There's a lot of that, and I think that just helped ease the cultures into one another because they have certain things that are almost sound alike that are kind of like the elemental spirits or elemental things. Their belief in culture, I guess, I guess, in a roundabout way. What's your thoughts? I mean, at least for me, when it comes to stuff like that, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that it's universal across the world. But of course, every different culture has different names for it. But I think that honestly, they're looking at the same phenomenon. And more so when everybody kind of got together, they realized that it was the same phenomenon. And they just have two different names for the same thing going on. But I mean, as far as like elementals or like spirits of the woods, uh, assumably anywhere that there's woods, there's going to be some form of it. And I mean, there may be like different races of it, just kind of like how, how you look at people where maybe they look different in different regions because of just whatever's happens to be going on there. Or, I mean, if there's something that's kind of beyond this world as we really conceive it, you know, they could all be the same exact thing. Uh, it's just, again, different names for it from different perspectives. I don't know. The whole lights, orbs, those things... They just made me cool. I don't know what they are. It 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 aggravates me a little bit because I can't pinpoint what are these? Where do they come from? What's making this light be visible? What energy sources is coming from to make these lights visible to the eye? And I don't know. Like we've heard stories of the people coon hunting and seeing lights in the woods and we such. Have a couple so, different ones on our podcast. Yeah. One dude even started taking shots at it, and it it was like as soon as he shot at it, it was like like what was it like right behind him or to yeah. his side of him or something like that, and then that's what really freaked him out when it moved so fast, and that's when they took off and left. 
See, it's funny that you happen to mention the lights with it, too, because I've had a few people that uh, go in, you know, do squatch hunting, things like that, and uh, they always refer to hitting them with uh, lasers, like either the red lasers or the green lasers, and they said that sometimes if you hit Mm -hmm. them with those, they'll interact like they're conscious, like they're trying to move away from it, or they'll just move in like a weird pattern that it wouldn't just be something like floating by, you know, that's catching light. Well, the light that I seen in the sky that night, whenever I would shine that light on it and go out. So if you could stand there and look at it and it looked like it would move around a little bit, it wasn't a whole bunch. But my buddy, he was standing there, he's like, it moved. It fucking moved. Look. You're actually you know, signaling at it. You're actually I mean, doing Morse code like, fuck you. I was shining my light on it. Yeah, that's me. All of our lights. At that time, Ryan didn't have a light with a laser yeah, on I don't have a laser on All of our coon hunting lights, which we use bright eyes lights, throw our sponsor in there. Mr. Ray Conrad from Rock Hill, South Carolina, builds bright eyes lights. Squatching, it'd be a good light for some squatching. <laughs> and uh, they all, they have a, a green laser pointer on them, and a, and a bunch of different settings: a red light, an amber light, a white light, a spotlight, a walking light. Last forever. Last you for two, three damn days. <laughs> Just squatch on it half a week on one charge. <laughs> So, I mean, for, like, the red lights, do you guys use that for coon hunting, too? Like, what's the purpose of that for with coon hunting? Or yeah, for, like, the laser so lights? Or the laser light? Yeah. So, when you're on the competition hunts and you like, you see that coon right there, and I'm like, nope, I can't see him. You're like, no, he's right there. Put your laser on him. Oh, so you're just he's literally right using it for his intended purpose. I didn't know if there was some, like, trick that you do to, like, lure him out or something with it. It makes them move sometimes, too, if you shine it on them. And get to fooling with them. It'll make them move around. They don't like it. Try to play with them like a cat. Chase the light. Chase the light. <laughs> Come on out of the hole. I guess if you really pop them in the eye. I know I shine. I, I learned a valuable lesson one night with playing with that thing. There was a stray cat coming across my yard, and my dog kennels is like up on top of a hill. And I seen that cat walking across my driveway, and I shine that dog on a laser pointer in that cat's eye. And it jumped up, and it did not like that. But the reflection, and it was a long ways away. That reflection from that laser off of that cat's eye came back and hit me in my eye. And it felt like it was reflecting, and like I had just shined that laser in my own eye. Did you imprint on that cat? No. Did it imprint on you? No. Wasn't no imprinting. But I, I learned a valuable lesson. Don't look at the eye when I'm trying to shine it like Fooling around, putting a laser in a cat's eye. Look at that cat eye. It'll reflect that laser beam back into your eye. It'll be like, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) So uh, kind of of pertaining again to kind of like the weird phenomenon and stuff going on. um, I know that you have a theory on the whole dogman phenomenon, but if you kind of have like something that built up to that or how you started to kind of come to that conclusion, I'd love to get into that a bit. Oh man, I was basically just just shooting the bull with Justin over at Cryptids of the Corn, and I was just telling him about the the dog man. And I was like, sounds more like a raccoon man to me. I was listening to a lot of people that was that talked talk about dog man, and they talk about seeing their hands and how their hands were, and they will refer to them like claws, and they'll be like, kind of like raccoon hands. And I was like, well, what if dog man is really not a dog? What if dog man is really uh, um, a, raccoon. a raccoon or has some kind of raccoon DNA in it. What makes 
a dog man have a dog head but not dog paws and have raccoon claws. I don't, you know, a dog cannot climb a tree, but dog man can climb a tree. So how was he a dog? We've heard of dog man climbing trees. But I say, yes. Okay. I mean, have you ever heard of, I mean, you're, I'm pretty sure you've heard of dog man climbing trees. Mm-hmm, of course. I've heard of them uh, yeah, jumping across roads, disappearing. <laughs> oh, shit, he's a raccoon, man. I don't think dog. I, it's hard for me to say, dude, because somebody tried I've, to feed him a honey bun. I've listened. <laughs> I know. I've listened to people like Gary Wayne, uh, and I take. I listen to those that are that really go from like try to put it in like a, from maybe a biblical perspective. Uh, Gary Wayne, Derek Gilbert, or um, uh, Dr. Judd Burton. They would take that and they talk about uh, what was the ancient Greece? Was it Sinocephalus or something like that? Mm-hmm. That was supposed to have been like a whole. Um, it was a, a city. That, that was nothing like but STD. Yeah, I know it does, don't it? Yeah, but it was like nothing but a city of dog-headed soldiers. And Dr. Judd Burton, who does, who is like the president of like uh, uh, the Institute of Christian Anthropology or something, and. Uh, I've listened to him take it, take the whole dog man culture back through linguistics and interpretations and all this other stuff. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a dog. I don't know if it's a raccoon. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But it's like they all report having the dog man. And who was it? Was it It was it St. Christopher? That was supposedly, um, he professed Christ and got baptized and he was a dog man. But then all of a sudden he became he turned back into a man. I don't know whether there's any truth to that or not, but that's part of the lore from, I think it's St. Christopher. Um, I got to look this up. <laughs> and uh, I forgot what I was going. I always, Oh, and it was like, um, through all of those, like going through cultures, talking about dog men, it was like those, they were mercenaries. They were used for things. 
it is basically in, in those times that's what the the sinocephalies were the a culture if i'm i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure i'm not they were a culture of mercenaries that would do the bidding for whatever the price may be i guess isn't that technically what a mercenary is mm-hmm. somebody that does somebody else's dirty work for pay pretty much I mean, even pertaining to like the Americas too, you got the uh, the Shawnee uh, Dogman Warriors. That was it's almost it. They would become one with the dogs by like living with the dogs, and then in turn, their legend says that they would be able to like transform into like these dog like warriors. So I mean, that that type of stuff's even in America too. So it's all over the world, and it's almost like for me at least, I think that there's multiple variations for the whole dogman phenomenon. Like there could be the whole component of things transforming into them. Cause there seems to be a lot of old folklore about that. Um, there is the aspect. I think that there's some like government gene splicing going on where it's not that they're like turning soldiers into like dogman warriors or anything like that, but they're taking like a human DNA and some type of like canine DNA possibly and uh, creating like dogmen warriors essentially for themselves and like growing them up so that they're not they don't transform that's just the type of being they are and then there's also like the natural factor of it that i think comes into play too uh where you know farther up north up here more often than not it seems like the dogmen are seen to be like grays or blacks where they fit in with like kind of what your theory is and that's why i kind of want to talk about your theory a bit and then there's the other variations that people talk about where they're more like a brown color so i mean even within like the dogman phenomenon i think that there could be like the canine dogmen and then there could be another variation that fits what you're kind of saying and uh, i mean even if we look into maybe ways that they interact more maybe we can start to find a difference between like certain colorations might act more dog-like where like the dark gray ones and the black ones uh, act a little bit more like a raccoon. Um, but I mean, I don't know where your guys kind of sit with it, but I think that there's multiple components that could kind of come into play. And I don't think it's one solid answer. I think that it's a combination of multiple things all happening at once and everybody kind of just grouping it all under the same thing. But also hide color can also be determined by location. Like uh, a coon or a hide from your area is going to be a way better looking, a darker, fuller hide than South Carolina. Our, our coons are not going to look as good as those. They're going to be more grayish. And when our winters get really, really cold, the coons, that's when they'll start getting that black tint to them and make them look good. But those those hides and i wonder if that same thing plays out like and that can go all the way down like our coon the coons in florida look a little bit different than our coons do so i wonder if that plays out in something like that with their hides also i mean even kind of bringing it back to possible like biblical ideas or you can even get into like anunnaki like alien ideas too um, you know, if you're looking at it from the biblical side, you have like the fallen angels that were breeding with different animals and different things. So again, that could also create the different variations that they're breeding with different animals and different things from different regions. And then you get into the whole like Anunnaki concept where they were mixing their DNA potentially with things that were on this planet, trying to create like races of things. And they could have, assumably they're doing, ex- they would have been doing experiments. They wouldn't have just tried it out on one specific thing. So they could have tried it out on multiple variations of the same animal and figured out which one tend to work the best. And what we're seeing now could be remnants of what they didn't maybe kill off. And then they repopulated, but in smaller numbers. Um, I mean, depending on the intelligence level too, 
Uh, they could even be fully aware of just through history that humans, when we see things that we don't understand or fear, especially if it's something that looks like it could take us down, you know, we're going to hunt it down. So maybe they kind of play it off and to their advantage and just know to kind of stay away from people. And if they are seen by people, they try to be as scary as possible so that they kind of get them away so that they can get away real quick. But maybe they don't really have an intention on full on like going after people. It's more so just like you stumble across them or they have a territory they're protective of and you stumble across it. It's like, oh, uh, I can't remember the dude that does a uh, Dogman Encounters podcast. Ooh, uh, uh, Vic or something like that. Vic Cundiff. Yep. Vic Cundiff. Ain't that his name? I think so. I'm going to I'm gonna double he's check like, it real quick just to verify. But he'll, uh, he, he says, uh, if he wants to get you, he'll get you. If he don't, he won't. So it's basically as simple as that. <laughs> I mean, you guys can even kind of look at it at the reverse of uh, coon hunting, too, that if you're the apex predator in the situation, you got something backed up on a corner. Like, it's not about, oh, no, I'm going to walk away now. Like, they they full well know what they're doing. Like, they're going to come after you. They were going to they're going to do it. And I mean, assumably, too, they may be intelligent, but they're still animals at heart. And that's just kind of how how animals work to begin with. I can't remember what podcast I listened to, but there was this there was I can't remember. It was the guy telling the story. And he was talking about one running right beside him in his car. And it was like running right beside him. And he was going into a curve and he couldn't go wide open and he had to slow down. And it was, it was kind of an intense encounter. I just can't remember right off the top of my head. I've listened to it within the last two or three weeks. Was it Martin Grove's experience but with uh, the land like- between two lakes? No, that is going to play into what I'm going to what I'm going to talk about with uh, tomorrow with Justin and, and the Appalachian intelligence fellas, the Hill folk. I was going to say they actually came on the show not but too long ago too, that. so I bet you that's going to be a killer episode. I'm going to be uh, looking forward to listening to that one. Oh yeah, it'll be. It, we're going to do like a swap cast. Their episode will come out Sunday night, and then ours will be Wednesday. But it'll be the same conversation basically. But you can still, whichever one you listen to, just press play on ours and at least give us a download. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, even speaking about Dogman Encounters kind of like that, uh, at least in Michigan, uh, I recently covered it on Bizarre Encounters and I was getting into the Michigan Dogman stuff. And uh, there was one encounter that happened near the Manistee National Forest where there was a trucker and he stopped to check his tires uh, because they had some kind of issue with the air. And uh, as soon as he was out there he started hearing some weird sounds so he got back in his truck and he did you know the slow takeoff like a truck does especially if it's on the side of the road and it was right next to the manistee and he says that this dog man came running up came up to his side window started to try to come in the cab of his truck he pulled his gun off of uh, his waist put two shots into this thing's face watched it roll back into the woods uh drove off did some kind of turnaround he said about 15 minutes or so later came back around uh he said there was no sight of it there was there was nothing left uh, there. He knew exactly where it rolled. He didn't see it, but he said he didn't stop to get out to check on it because, you know, you never know where that thing could be, especially if you don't see it. And uh, he ended up having nightmares about this thing for a while. And then uh, he decided one day that he wanted to put the story out on a podcast and he didn't want to go on it directly. So he wrote the story out and tried to stay anonymous. And uh, <clears throat> right after that, he started getting uh, contact from government officials basically saying, like, you know, you've damaged some of our property and you're going to be paying for it. So after that, 
he kind of broke the floodgate and he ended up going on this other show and uh you know it was him actually recording it and started saying all of his experiences and uh they supposedly tried to like shut off his bank accounts like all this weird stuff man and you know that just kind of links to the whole fact that there could be the government component to it but dude those fucking situations like that like I don't even know how I'd react in that situation. You know, just can you imagine having some giant seven foot dog man just pop up in like the side window of your truck as you're starting to take off? Like, holy shit. <laughs> no shit myself. <laughs> no. It, it's hard to put yourself and say, imagine just trying to imagine that happening because I just can't imagine that happening until it actually happens. You know what I'm saying? It's, I would kind of like to know what that adrenaline rush is like, though. Well, I hope you buy yourself. <laughs> I hope I hit with you. I kind of do. But, man, you never did ask him about – Ryan told you his one of his weird coon hunting experiences. I hadn't told you anything. Oh, let him have it. I was just, just kind of keeping up with the time there. Oh. Dustin – Dustin is still a virgin when it comes to weird stuff in the woods. And I plan to stay that way too, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know this crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like adrenaline much as the next guy, but I don't want it that way. But I still though, I would feel safer in my truck if I'm in my truck <clears throat> than being in the middle of the woods and all of a sudden I'll I'd come up on something like that. I feel pretty safe wherever I go, dude. <laughs> Say shit. At least at that point, well, too, you can at least turn your back and get away. Because otherwise, if you're without a truck, you essentially can't turn your back on it. And you also, you know, you never know with things like that. You can't necessarily start running because for a lot of apex predators, as soon as you start running, their chase instinct kicks in and you just fuck yourself even more. <laughs> I, Ryan's like, look at me. I'm saving all my wind for the fight. <laughs> for the struggle that is about to ensue. <laughs> like, there's no running in this situation. I'm not running. Unless there's a good downhill, I could probably get them on a downhill run. Just lean forward a little bit. <laughs> Keep one foot in front of the other. At that point, you start reasoning with them. You're just like, here, just take the arm. <laughs> it, it'll last you a little while, and then <laughs> just just I'd take be off. Like, Shit, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. That's the first thing he's going for. <laughs> There's gonna be a bunch of shit. A lot of shit. At that point, you know, they always say that you don't want to be the slowest runner. You ain't got to be the fastest, but you don't want to be the slowest. But if you know you're going to be the slowest runner in a situation, then you just carry some beef jerky with you. And if something starts ever chasing you, you just throw off the beef jerky. At least get away for two seconds. He's going to leave a good scent trail. A shit trail. Stick some meat on the back of your pants so at least that has something to grab at so you can get away and see how close it's getting to you. I'm going to stay in the smell. <laughs> You're going to go for one of them little fellers. No, man, one of the recent uh, weirdest things we've had, I've had happen when before we started podcasting, it was like we were already knew kind of the idea, the way we wanted to go with like the topics of far as coon hunting and, and weird stuff. And I didn't really intend for it to happen when it did or 
but um it was like maybe three or f- about three maybe three or four months before we actually started putting out episodes i had listened to the confessionals about the episode he done with the dude that was like the president or ceo or whatever of uh rando nautica and i decided to go and download this app i worked all day i downloaded that app on my break i went coon hunting that night and i sat there and played with it and was looking at it and i was like you know what i'm going to try to go rando not and even though the dude was like i highly encourage you don't do it by yourself i told him it was the devil i told him it was witchcraft <laughs> the devil so i decided i'm gonna go rando not in the area that i was in is in Sumter national forest um there's old used to be an old CCC camp there back before World War II. Um, there's still a, a shelter there that was built like a camping shelter part that was um, it's still used today. It was built back then. Anyway, there's gravel roads that go all through there. I was hunting, and that place in general is kind of a weird area anyway. But um, it was showing and this like anomaly back toward the the main road and <clears throat> i went on and i had done it before i went into the woods to get my dog i generated that thing how have you ever done it i haven't i dug into it but i was one of those things that kind of like what he was saying it's some kind of like weird witchcraft or something there's just certain apps man they start giving me like weird feelings i don't end up using them like replica if you guys are familiar with that did the same thing to me and uh i started getting into some weird questions with it started giving me back some like weird biblical responses and i was like all right i don't want this on my phone no more (laughs) so i generated this thing and i went into the woods got my dog um, it was like a den tree, so I didn't knock out any coon that night. I come back out of the woods, and I debated on it the whole time. Am I going to go check this out? Am I going to go see? Because I've listened to these different stories of people that's finding this weird stuff. So I decide I'm going to go check it out. I go, and I park on the side of the road, and I get my, my dog out and take her in with me. One, just – so I felt better about it. And two, because I had her sitting in my front seat and I didn't want somebody like pulling up. And so I was just like, hell, I'm getting out. I'm going to take her walk with me. And so I'm going into the woods. It was like 200, 250 yards off the main road. And this is maybe 2, 2.30 in the morning. And so I go to go in there. And when I start getting close to this area, to start off with, well, when I'm going in, I come across this one little area in this pine trees, and it's got like this bunch of broom straw area on the edge of these pines. And this whole, I was, there was a big patch of broom straw just laid down. It's just kind of like laid flat. And I go on in, and that was maybe like 100, 150 yards away from where I, that, that Google Maps pinpoint spot was. So I get to go in and when I get close to it, my dog, she starts going crazy. She's winding up in the air. She's like just hopping up. She's all going crazy, like bouncing up in the air. And I'm like, okay, she's either winding something coming up this little hill right here, or there's a coon laid up in a tree right here somewhere. 
And I'm looking for a spot to tie her up so I can start looking around for, I'm trying to think, what am I about to find? Am I about to find like some old Indian artifact or something? Uh, oh, maybe somebody from a CCC camp left for like an old pocket knife laying around. I didn't know what, I was just, and they say you're supposed to like focus your intention. And I never really completely had my intention focused on anything really. And a million dollars, a million dollars. <laughs> As I was going in, um, when I get right, when I start, step right in the middle of where that Google radius thing was, it was right by a big tree. I walk right past this tree and something lets out these loud blows. It was like huffs, blows. And I swear it felt like it could have been like it, it should have been like three feet away from me. Is like it felt I felt like it should have been like right on the other side of that tree. And I start shining my I jumped back because it was like I was like, holy shit. I jumped back and I'm looking and I don't cut my light on. I flicked it over real quick to the spotlight and I'm just shining around. And all of a sudden, like off to my right, maybe 30 yards away, I hear the leaves. And then I shine my light over there, and I don't see anything over there. But then I start getting that huffing back at me again. And my dog is still wanting to go crazy. And it was it was like a really loud, like, <clears throat> Did it one more time. <laughs> it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of like that, but it was, it, it was, there was a third in there. There was like a third, but it almost sounded like a, inhale instead of a hoof does that make sense mm -hmm. it sounded like a strong inhale like a nostril inhale or something it's like yeah but when i turned my light over to it when i heard something and it started blowing i still couldn't see anything and i should have been able to see something there too and that's when i decided i needed to just take my redneck ass back to my truck and i took off but um, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it was a pig. I don't feel like it was a deer. I felt like I should have been able to see, see whatever it was. And I didn't know any better then, but I do now. I never looked up the tree. I never looked up for anything. And that was my mistake. Now knowing that Sasquatch go up trees, Dogmen go up trees. I don't know what that was, but I wish I would have looked up because my dog was indicating that I should have been looking up the whole time. Whew. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Holy shit. <laughs> I say, especially too, considering that looking back at it now, like there could have been something watching you that entire time and that breathing could have been it trying to like take in your scent. <laughs> you could, you could have just flashed your light up and that thing could have been like three feet above you. Yeah, I, I I never, I didn't know to until I started listening to like other people talk, like really going into like Bigfoot stories and stuff like that. And I hear people talking about like they were up a tree or looking up and I wish I would have looked up. But the weird thing was, what were the odds that this app took me to something that happened that I've never had, So whatever blew at me, I've never had anything blow at me that loud, that close, and still not. It was just weird altogether. 
And I deleted that app off Even my phone. Even if it wasn't a squammy, what's the odds of the app taking him there? I was going to say, I almost thought it was going to end you with you like finding that. a raccoon or something up the tree, but that took you to something totally different. And it, considering that you were about to start up your show, you know, you may not have actually had like your intention somewhere specifically, but maybe you subconsciously had your intention somewhere, and that's what it led you to. That's yes. a good possibility. Yes, yes, yes. Subconsciously, I was probably there. Did you Why notice any like weird smells or anything like that? No, I didn't. I didn't. The I think only you thing re-download it and the, go camping. The only thing, <laughs> the only thing I noticed when I went when I was going in there, I noticed this one huge tree that it was. I don't know. How, I don't want to say it was broke off. It was huge. It was wide, and it was broke off. I, now I know because I seen it in the daytime, but. Just under the night light, the moon and everything, when I first saw it, it kind of like had like a castle top to it. That just the way it broke off, it come up to a point like a castle top. Some folks call it a palace, we call it a castle. <laughs> You're talking about the like high up tree breaks because those are those are usually something that's associated with Sasquatch too, especially no, if they're like high like, up fresh was, trees. Nah, it wasn't a tree break like that. It was just like this big, huge oak tree. And I'm talking about like us three could probably want – it was hollow on one side. When I went back the next day, I went back the next day to see if I could see like anything, any kind of signs of anything. And I wanted – I walked over there to look at that tree because I was like – that tree kind of like gave me the creeps when I looked at it because it looked so weird in the moonlight. But it was like a big hollow oak tree that over time it died, and most of the top of it had broke off and fell down this hill, and it was laying like laying down the hill. But the big hollow part, when I realized how big that how wide it was, I mean, it was two rounds. It was all the say all three of us could have had got inside of this enclosure because that back that back side of that tree was like open it just kind of like did a c-shape i guess you could say and it was all hollow and the rest had broke over but it would have been well big enough to conceal a bigfoot or a dogman or because it was every bit of i want to say four foot how wide do you think this table right here is because that tree was as big as this table that table's five foot about five foot Oh, Something yeah, like definitely. And talk about you taking advantage of your surroundings around you, too. That thing could have been hiding in, could have been watching you come up, and then it could have even taken off into a tree. And you said that you found a bunch of, like, broken branches and everything else kind of around on the ground, too. I mean, going into, like, the intelligence factor, if it was, like, a Sasquatch and it was hiding up in a tree, it could have been using that to try to figure out if any kind of prey was coming in. But here's another kicker I almost left out. It could have took advantage of you, Daniel. <laughs> That's why they tell you not to go alone in the woods because you're gonna get raped by a squatch. <laughs> well, if anybody's gonna get it, it's gonna be Daniel. <laughs> He's out there all the time, all by him lonesome after twelve o'clock. Yeah, but here's the other you thing: you might want to start staying greased up. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a bottle of Vaseline in your back pocket. <laughs> Uh, just in case I get it, just in case I get abducted, <laughs> you need to make a sign hang on your back says we fucking. <laughs> it's there, so use it. 
But no, about six or seven months ago, I looked up the BFRO website and I went to South Carolina and got to looking. And I'll be damned if that area, there wasn't a BFO report, report there. It was like 2020, 2019. I can't remember exactly when it was. But there was like a reporting of like three different reports come in from that area. That's in with, you can find it on the BFRO if you went on there and looked. So that would be the only way you get the name of that area because I'm not giving it away unless somebody. Um, you just told them how to find I it. I told them how to find it, but that's only for the diligent ones that want to look it up. But they ain't no coon hunters, so I don't think we got nothing to worry about. You never know. Somebody out there might be. Nothing's a secret anymore, fellas. <laughs> Onyx. Onyx yeah, ruined it. <laughs> yeah, that Onyx app. It's a good thing to have. But that was terrible. I wouldn't have it. So everybody's got Onyx. Or Hunt Stand. But, yeah, that was kind of how all that played out. Then I, looking back, and I was like, well, what are the odds that a place that a lot of people hunt do a – just – there's a – walking trail right near there too just all kind of stuff and then there's a bfro report but you know i did have a guy come in the, the store should i tell them about the guy when they was logging the same time they were logging another section of it yeah i mean right there at it same yeah, spot the same spot and uh, there was a guy that he, i run a little feed store on the side also and he came in my store and we're sitting in it right now yeah that's actually the bathroom our backdrop that <laughs> badass backdrop in the wall there's a that's a bathroom on the other side that's our outhouse but anyway just a little hole in the floor <laughs> <laughs> you gotta crouch over it that like japan up. style <laughs> yeah yeah just yeah. like china i do it in china too or la whichever china <laughs> in china <laughs> in la they just do it on the street man that's a whole different squatting <laughs> <laughs> but um Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, he came in the store, and uh, he was asking me about that event because I made a little video talking about it and just put it on Facebook. He saw it, and um, he was like, he asked me, was like, was you in such and such area? I was like, yeah. And he was like, man, we have been logging the section out of there. He said, we have had weird stuff happen. Um, he was like, one, they found an old, a old, like, house place and an old, like, whale that you know what I'm talking about, like uh, open like wheel. Like a hand dug wheel. And it's like just a few feet up of rocks, and that was about it. And so one of the guys on the logging crew took a rock and chucked it down in this well, and then when he goes gets in his, his uh, skitter, it blows up, like not blows up, but him in it, but the motor just completely blew on a brand-new piece of machinery, and uh, they call these people out there to work on it, and they tell them that they've never seen a piece of machinery like that that was that new, the motor blow up that bad in it. And they all, that guy and another guy, they started having dreams of the same entity coming up out of that well, hovering over them in their dream, and they would wake up, this guy, and they realized it was the same thing. This one dude, he like uh, drew a picture of what he was seeing coming out of the well. And it was like this Native American type person. You can't tell if it was male or female, but it had long, scraggly black hair, had like stripes of like red war paint or some type of paint on its face. 
And this other guy like freaks out because he was like, that's the same thing I'm seeing in my dream hovering over me when I wake up. So they were having like dual parallel, whatever that was going on. And he tells me, he said, I was sitting in my truck. He run, he is, uh, he's like drives a log truck. So they cut them. He takes them to wherever they're going. He said, I, I was sitting in my truck before the sun came up and start off with like two or three days before that, where their landing site was something had went through there and like notched, put notches in trees around where they was at, like eight, nine feet up in a tree. And their boss got them all together the next day. I was like, did one of y'all come back out here and notch, put notches up in these trees? And he showed me the pictures of them. And they were all like, why would we come back out here after we've been working all damn day just to put notches up in these trees that would, would require us bringing a ladder out here just to do some shit like that? He was like, why would we do that? And so they was like, they all felt like that was odd. And he was like, um, I don't know if it was that same morning or whenever, but he said he was sitting there. And he said, as about the time, you know, the sun is just starting to come up, you can start seeing silhouettes of stuff, trees and features of the almost like apparitions of stuff right before the sun starts coming up. You can just barely see them. He said he saw something that looked like a, a stump or he thought was just he couldn't tell what it was. It was just sitting down by a tree. And he said as he saw it stand up and he, all he could see was a black figure. He couldn't see good enough to see what it was. He said it stood up. It was a dark figure. It was huge. It took about two steps, and he couldn't see it no more. And don't know what that was. He's like, I don't know. He said, but I saw something early that morning. So that whole area <clears throat> is plagued with the squamish. But other than that, there's no real, like, People seeing, putting, laying eyes on it. You know what I'm saying? It's just hearing hoops and knocks and weird stuff like that. I mean, if the phenomenon goes past that too, considering all the weird paranormal stuff that's involved with it, um, I almost wonder if it's something more so maybe possibly mimicking noises or, you know, the reason why you didn't see anything that night. Maybe it was something else that was there that wasn't really like, visible if that makes sense like maybe it was something like supernatural and that's why you're hearing like the huffing and it sounded like it was really close to you because maybe it was really close to you but it wasn't visible to begin with could have been i have no idea i haven't i i guess we're, it's all speculation i guess shit man if i were you yeah, i would take been. a take the gang with you and uh go back into that area and use that app again and see what it ends up turn, turning up i mean even if you have the intuition to <laughs> see what you missed that one night man <laughs> i'll drop him off i mean i'll go with him but i think he'll have better he'll have more success by himself i ain't going with him by the i'll play with witchcraft He's going to fuck with the intuition of it and be <laughs> shoot you in a totally different direction. <laughs> He's going to be thinking about home and it's going to start shooting yeah. you guys to the house. You're going to be like, oh no, what the hell is in my house? <laughs> it's just going to be him at home. <laughs> so, I know my house is full of random anomalies. It's like I live with them. <clears throat> talking about paranormal stuff? But, no, I was talking about my family. <laughs> 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 
poor Slim. Poor little I have, I have uh, one son that's 21. He goes to Anderson University, and I have my 17-year-old. He's a senior. He play. I mean, we actually – I left his baseball game early to come make sure I had everything set up for the record, you know, tonight. But, no, I was just being funny there. No, there's no paranormal shit goes on in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it best not start either. <laughs> now you jinxed it, man. You got to knock on wood. No, I, I bet outside of coon hunting, I was at where when I first got married, my wife and I, where we live now, we had a single wide. And I was thinking about this like yesterday. Um, and I've never had any anything really, really paranormal, weird happen in either one of my houses. But that one time in that single wide, I had a remote control to the TV was sitting on like, you know, in those smaller houses, there's no divider really, but like a, a counter between the living room and the kitchen area. And it's just, and I had a remote control sitting on that counter and I walked by it going to uh, my back door and I heard something hit the ground and I looked and that remote control was, had hit the middle of the floor and I knew it was sitting on the counter and I stopped and I thought to myself, I know I didn't knock that off and I know it wasn't sitting on the edge of that counter. And I know it with, and if it fell off the edge of the counter, it wasn't going to make it to the middle of my living room floor. And I just picked it up, set it back on the counter and uh, I walked on back out the house and went on about my business and played it off. And I've never had anything other than that happen that's pretty wild dude more often than not when it comes to the paranormal stuff if it's not something like evasive i'm i almost wonder half the time if they're just trying to get your attention and they just don't know how to do it other than like subtle light ways like that especially if they don't know how to like harness the energy properly he got my attention but it wasn't i it wasn't i wasn't gonna be talking to it (laughs) you want to communicate you're at the wrong house to communicate you need to go go to my in-laws house and see if they want to communicate. It's like that's what I would have been. <laughs> I live right beside my in-laws, so it was like go to go the to next Buzz house. Kills. <laughs> go on down there to Buzz Kills, man. Check him out. But no, nah, nah, it's nothing. Dustin, he thought he had something paranormal happen in his house with that light flickered on that one time. But he, you ain't never really had anything else happen on, have you? Better not. Neither I moved the crap out, <laughs> I'll burn that mug to the ground and start over somewhere I knew. Let me know when you do it. How come? I don't want to play with none of this stuff, dude. I don't want to play with no witchcraft or no necromancy or no demons or none of that junk, boy. I've listened to some folk stories, but that's about as far as I'm going to go. You wouldn't play with the elves? Nope. <laughs> like, if there's a place that I do want to go coon hunting. Nope. And if somebody can tell me, hey, these woods are so scary, I don't believe you can coon hunt it. If it's a big patch of woods where I feel comfortable turning my dog loose and I'm not like wherever, if it's coon huntable, I want to coon hunt that. If there's a place that somebody says is you're going to get messed with if you go in there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn my dog loose and see what happens. Not me. 
Uh, sit in the truck and honk you back out. <laughs> I'll keep watching the truck. Garmin, <laughs> yeah, but if it's messing with you, what if oh. it kills your Garmin, bro? It might do that. Like it I might. sit in the yeah. truck yeah. and you yeah. back yeah. out. you with that Garmin in town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just swatting. <laughs> <laughs> that is a possibility I didn't think about. Getting tied up with, with a garment. No, right <laughs> about, about something draining the, you know, you, you hear these about people's like yeah, phone yeah. and cameras and stuff like that draining the energy. I don't want it to drain the energy off of my garment because then I'll be stranded. Then you'd be old school for real then. <laughs> yeah. Listening for that road. I'd be wishing I, <laughs> <laughs> I hear a car. If I can just figure out where that stream is and I can follow which way it's flowing. We're going to land. We're going to find civilization somewhere. <laughs> you just move around quietly, but, and every single time you hear some kind of noise off in the distance, you're like, is it a car? <laughs> that way. <laughs> Yo, but there are things, like, since doing this, I am way more attentive in the woods than I was before we started this podcast. Um, back this past hunting season, I was on the side of my dog was treed right off of Enery River, and as I was shining the tree, you know, I'm looking up at, it was just, it was after midnight. It was just me and my dog. I heard like this, like down by the river, I heard a, like a little twig break, like something had stepped on it. And uh, it Who's didn't saying? freak, it didn't freak me out, but I did start looking. Himself. I started looking that way. I was not singing Jesus, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Yes, I it didn't freak me out but i did glance over that situation and my first thought was like shit i'm being stalked by something Uh, i I didn't see anything though and i never heard anything else like no more nothing like twigs breaking or nothing those little things that i listen for now more than i used to I mean, half of it too, man. If you're like semi-prepared for it, at least you kind of know, you, you can take like a better idea of like the encounter itself too. Cause I mean, like if you're going into the woods and you have it in the back of your mind that, you know, there's squatch or there's dogman, things like that. More often than not, people can't really get like a height idea, anything like that. But if you already kind of have it in the forefront of your mind, then if you do happen to encounter something, you can like, you know, look at a tree next to it before you take off or something like that. And at least kind of get an idea of like heights, height, size, like all those kind of things. And I mean, in the turn too, just talking to people, you at least know kind of like how to protect yourself too. Cause uh, you know, if you get into the whole like woo woo stuff with it being like paranormal, anything like that, at least you know how to like not bring stuff back with you because of the people you talk to. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I was sitting here debating on if I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I feel like I heard the samurai chatter hunting a couple back in like September. I think it was September. But I'm not really, really ready to tell that full story because I'm trying to thinking about doing it as an episode, but I don't want to give that area away. I don't. I'm very cautious about not. giving that area away because if it does, I'll flatten his tires. I, I, I will say I do. I do think something is living in this area. I do think we have a Bigfoot in this area. Or we'll say a Sasquatch, whatever, or or some sort, maybe even a dog man. I don't know, but nah, I'm thinking Sasquatch. And I do think I heard the samurai chatter. 
Are you sure it's called the Samurai Chair? I thought it was that, called the Sierra Sounds. No, I mean, no the, well, that's the Sierra Sounds, but they call it the the Samurai Chatter just because it sounds so much like chatter, like oh. like a uh, Samurai Chatter. Yeah, the Sierra Sounds. There's different like, variations of it where there was multiple recordings all at once. There was like the whoops. There was like the different talking, and then the Samurai Chatter literally sounds like uh like samurais talking in like an old movie that almost kind of sounds like like reverse talking exactly, or something. That is exactly what I heard. That is exactly what I heard. And there are little things of bits and pieces of that I've come across in the last few years that I just played them off. But now they're all starting to add up. And I've heard, I've heard stories and certain things. And uh, there's a guy in North Carolina that I really want to talk to that at first – I thought he was he was a coon hunter and I thought he was full of shit when he told when he told his story or told me that he uh thought there was something in our neck of the woods but over the last year I kind of I I really need to apologize to him because communication kind of fell off between the two of us as far as getting the episode recorded with him. I'm not sorry. And I kind of apologize because at first I thought he was full of shit, and now I don't think he was full of shit at all. I do think there's something around here, but I don't want people flocking this area looking for it. Or something I think both y'all's full of shit. Don't tell them where the area is at. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to tell the area where it's at because it's a massive area, and the only thing that separates it is two main roads. If it wasn't for those two main roads, they would it would all be one big chunk. So. That's about it. I'll tell you, I was coon hunting when I heard it, and I, it just freaked me out because it was after midnight. And I he called. called me and woke me up like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know what the fuck to do, man. Oh, shit. I got I, I to gotta get off here. I got to go. So, I, yeah, I talked to him for about at least 200 yards into the woods and then I I took off from there. When I hung up with him, I was I was making good time to my dog. And I just kept telling myself, if I get to her, everything she'll let me know if anything's around me. I'll be able to pick up any reading. Like she starts acting weird. Things gonna be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we think about Marley going through the tree. And uh but start off with I had heard noises like talking way behind me. And I thought it was coming from off of a road. Where, I thought you was going to save it, bro. I'm going to save it. I, I, just, I don't want to give it the area. I just heard the samurai chatter. I heard talking. It got just sounded like people. It got a little closer. I you heard it again. It. You got a little closer. I told them three-quarters of it already. And then, <laughs> that's all I'm going to tell because I haven't told anything else. I have not told. He always do. This is the first time I've publicly like I tell I've told a bunch of people I have not, but I haven't put it out publicly for the world outside of our area. And now it's out there, but that I think I swear to God I heard the samurai chatter and it sound it was it it was loud, dude. It was loud. Shit, man! That's next time I go to that area, I'd definitely be bringing a recording device just for the sake of it, man. 
Alaska. I'd be I, bringing a freaking big old gun. That's <laughs> I don't even throw the gun hunting with him. He's retarded. <laughs> I have uh, a 357 Magnum or something before I went back in there. I coon hunt in there a, a lot. I've taken them back in there. Like, I've hunted there a bunch. Yeah. It's like until I see I, it face I to face. I that you ain't took me in there. I hunted yeah, I did. there a bunch. I took you in there the night before we hunted, well, before we oh, recorded with Critics of the Corn. I'm not stupid. I carry it. Gun. But that was just that one night I've hunted in there a bunch. And I'm like, until I see it, until it physically scares me and pushes me out of that area, I'm not going to stop coon hunting until we come face to face. Physically, mass hearing noises is a physical act. (laughs) But I mean, it's like I'm talking about like as as long as we can coexist, we can coexist in them woods. You leave me the hell alone, and I will leave you the hell alone. Bigfoot, I come in peace. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, we can coexist. You leave me, you leave me and my dog alone. Let us coon hunt, do our thing. I promise you, you are good to go. We are not going to bother each other. So that's kind of like my mentality on this. And until it scares the shit out of me, and I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna hunt it. We can just uh, pass each other and just do the wave, but <laughs> live like the old ancient people used to. We all used to live in peace and harmony. At one point, we used to communicate with the Sasquatch. So let's get back to that, man. <laughs> We're gonna give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a whole new level of bear hug, man. Can you imagine being hugged by a squatch? <laughs> I'd probably stink a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'd give him a titty twister. <laughs> <laughs> Just picks you up. You're going boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, man, it's um, as far as like like reaching out to people, I, I've heard like coon hunting stories that involved a cra- involved crazy things on like Sasquatch Chronicles and places like that that i would i would love to be able to like wrangle those in that i have been able to get from like those podcasts but if like there's anybody out there that's got like a coon hunting story that has something like that that whether it may have been passed down from your granddaddy or whatever i want to hear those stories it's kind of like i feel like we're collecting those stories that are coon hunting stories that are of the weird persuasion i guess that's actually a good spot that uh i want to get into words of wisdom of course but after you mentioning that why don't you let everybody know where they can come find you in case they do want to share your stories with you yeah our email address is htpodinfo at gmail.com and uh if you look we're on all the platforms apple google spotify pretty much all of them as far as i know and they can find it, Coon Hunting Confidentials. They can search that or search Houndstooth Podcasting Network. That's actually what it will be listed under. And uh, you search up Houndstooth Podcasting Network, find Coon Hunting Confidentials, which that'll be the only episodes under that uh, that network. And uh, check out some episodes, and you can find our email address there again, uh, Facebook. Look up Houndstooth Podcasting Network on Facebook. Join the group. That's where all our stuff will be posted on to that. And, uh, yeah, if you got a coon hunting story, hit us up because we definitely want to hear it. Coon hunters, I think we're the biggest eclectic group of crazy people as it is. And because we're out at night hunting, 
with dogs through swamps and briars or whatever else they may go through. And it takes a touch of crazy to do it. So, but when I say eclectic, it's because it's from the richest to the poorest that coon hunt. And we're just a all type of classes of people that, you know, a coon hunt. It's just, I think we're the most eclectic group of crazy. Honestly, I'm surprised that they haven't converged more because more often than not, when I go out squatching and stuff, if I'm going to see any people in the middle of the night when I'm doing it, it always seems to be coon hunters. <laughs> so I'm surprised that uh, there hasn't been like a meshing way sooner than you guys starting to connect the two. Oh, I feel like there probably are. I feel like it's just getting a hold of getting people, getting people comfortable to tell the story because a lot of these people is just like us, really, just small town country people that just like the coon hunter grew up on farms and stuff like that. It's just getting people to tell those stories. And, um, I actually heard, I read one on Facebook that was in Michigan and this guy had his, I just read it. I sent a message to him to try to get him to come on and talk to us, but he hasn't, he hasn't replied or anything, but, uh, he had some, uh, Somebody told him it was a run-in with what they called witchy wolves or something. And it was just this area that it backed his dogs out, cowered them down, and backed them out of the woods, and he never saw a thing. And somebody told him it was just the witchy wolves of some Native All American right, brand. We get way on over in the evening. I got to work in oh, the morning. Yeah. I ain't even looked. Shit. <laughs> yeah. I ain't even looked God at the time, lay. man. It's 11.30. That's how great conversations go, man. You don't even realize how what time it is. I was going to say, we're only intending on running an hour. We're going on like an hour and 40. So, I mean, never a bad thing, man. It's always a fun conversation, but. <laughs> oh, man. My bad. Before we get At out of here, though, you a good I always like to do uh, words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So, I don't know if uh, one of you guys has them. You guys all want to do them, but I always like to leave it on a high note with that. So, if you guys want to pass something on to other uh, raccoon hunters or just people in general, what what would those words of wisdom be? Love, peace, and chicken grease. <laughs> that's, that's, about, that's about it. Love, peace, and chicken grease. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys making the time to come on today. I apologize for keeping you guys a little bit later than you guys expected, but it's been a great conversation, and uh, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> oh, it ain't you, dude. You didn't keep us. Daniel kept us going. So it ain't got nothing to do with you. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, we appreciate you having us, man. Yeah, we greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, asking us to come on. Hopefully, uh, we can do something again in the future hey, soon because uh, I definitely love talking to you guys. Yeah, and we're hopefully, I can punch you guys on to Bizarre yeah. Encounters too. Yeah, we're looking forward to that also. Oh, yeah. If you guys enjoyed the show, and you guys enjoy any of the episodes, of course, don't forget to uh, leave a five-star review or rating. Uh, if you guys do that on iTunes, of course, I will read it out on the show and give you guys a shout-out. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys can do so through Instagram, or you guys can shoot me an email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com, or you can go to the link tree and fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Uh, as I said in the beginning of the show, it seems like everything goes to the spam or junk folder that I send out, so make sure that uh, you keep your eyes there and make sure that nothing gets uh, missed or thrown away in the garbage, of course. Uh, everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.